You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked on Kentucky podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Just subscribe to Locked on Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And Kyle just landed in Lexington. It is 1.05 a.m. Monday morning as we record this. Uh, Just getting back from Lubbock. Where we saw a great, uh, a great basketball game and a great atmosphere. I mean, Kyle, you were there, but you know, for those of us who weren't and watching on TV, you could tell what kind of atmosphere it was. And um, and, and then the day after Sunday, uh, Kobe Bryant. Um, I was working busy on Sunday um, when I when I found out. Uh, I mean, it just it just happened. TMZ was reporting it. I was talking to Alex Walker, who does Out of Bounds with me on Fox 56. And he said, I don't know if TMZ's got it right or not, uh, but, you know, pay attention uh, to, to see. And then I saw that uh, an ABC station in Los Angeles had confirmed it, that it wasn't a joke. And, um, you know, at that moment, uh, it definitely uh, struck me, but also... I was in the very early stages of putting together a half-hour television show, and I basically put it out of my mind and just went to work on and what I was doing. Um, but it, it really hit me after I got home, and I started watching. I started going through Twitter and just seeing all the tributes and seeing all the interviews and, and all the stuff and then watching an hour-long episode of, of Scott Van Pelt um, on SportsCenter on ESPN. Uh, doing all that stuff, and that's when it really hit me, and I actually teared up a little bit. And I, I got to be honest with you, I was not a Kobe fan. I mean, just as a fan yeah. of the game and stuff. Uh, it, it, Kobe even said it um, one time that, that there's no hero or villain; you're both, and, which is what he was. He was a hero or a villain, uh, like so many players. You know, I think about like I don't know Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. I, you know, I don't like those guys. Yeah. Um, I didn't like Kobe when I was watching him and play when he was playing, but all that crap goes out the window. You know, it just, just it doesn't mean anything anymore. It's just you know a dad uh, of of and a husband with four kids and the daughter that he was coaching her basketball team, thirteen year old girl, and in there in that helicopter together uh, with with. The Orange Coast College baseball coach of 27 years, and his wife and his daughter, and they just go down, and that's it, and it explodes into flames, and, and the the finality of it is just so tough to think about. Uh, 41 years old, and Kobe Bryant. I just can't think of someone of his status in in the world of sports that we had lost. At this age, you know, guy, people, people grow old and, and and die, and but someone in his prime who was just beginning another chapter in his life where he was really inspirational. What I grew to respect about Kobe, whether or not I liked him as a basketball player, I mean, he was a great basketball player. You know, being a fan is different from admiration and respect. 
you can't help but have that for Kobe Bryant. And I think part of it had to do with me and my own personal feelings as a fan was that Michael Jordan was my hero growing up. That's who I grew up with. And, and Kobe emulated Michael Jordan in so many ways, and that discussion moved to he's greater than Michael Jordan. He has surpassed Michael Jordan. And there was probably part of me that wanted to resist that and say, no, he's not. Michael Jordan's the greatest that has ever been. And But Kobe definitely emulated Michael Jordan in many ways. But what I, I can't deny uh, when it comes to greatness is someone who doesn't waste a day, someone who doesn't waste a, a play, doesn't waste a practice, who commits everything uh, in the gym and working to be the greatest, that has that competitive edge that you just don't find. You know, I mean, it, it, you're special when you're when you when you're able to do that. When you're able to to will yourself into being, you know, the, the the player that he was and and putting in all the time that he was. But then he had transformed himself into someone. He became wiser. He evolved and became someone who looked at it like it's. It's beyond me. It's it's what can I do to help? How can I give? How can I show others? Um, so I have the utmost respect for for Kobe Bryant and and what who he had become as a man, as a person, beyond just what he was as a basketball player. I mean, it's truly greatness that we witness. But then, who he had become and what he was about and what he was working towards. Uh, that's what struck me the most about about him and where I went from, you know, not caring for him as a fan to having much more respect and admiration for him as an inspiration to others. Yeah, I, I was in the same boat as you in terms of during his playing career. Um, you know, I wasn't a big fan uh, for a couple of reasons, and I think probably the reason I wasn't falls into the two different reasons people weren't Kobe Bryant fans. One was what you talked about. So people pick their star, uh, and then anybody else that's, that kind of comes into that universe is like the enemy. And yeah. so it was on the front end, it was Jordan because he came, you know, in. They, they passed each other that direction, and then LeBron, he and LeBron intersected the other direction. Um, and so if you were a Jordan guy or you were a LeBron guy, you might, might have said, you know, Kobe ain't it. And so, you know, he was a guy who would take a bunch of shots and sometimes not involve all his teammates. And essentially he and Shaq being unable to get along was dismantled what might have been an even crazier dynasty. Um, and then the other thing that you can't talk about Kobe Bryant without um, is the complicated legacy of some of the off-the-court things, and most notably – uh, the sexual assault allegation, which was eventually settled out of court, um, settled um, financially. He acknowledged acknowledged there had been uh, sexual contact. He he said it was uh, he believed it to be consensual, but he also acknowledged that obviously his accuser did not, um, and he was married at the time. So that was a big part of it for me too. Yeah, I mean that it's it's inescapable. Now I think he's done everything he could since then to change that image um to be a better man i think probably having four daughters 
changed his treatment of women, and he became a champion for women, and especially women in sports. And he was highly involved in the WNBA. He was coaching his daughter's team. He, there's an image today that was out there of his gym, the Mamba gym they were going to, they were flying mm-hmm. to, I believe, and they had gathered all the kids and their parents to tell them that Kobe had passed, and it was just an awful image, yeah. everyone kneeling and crying. Um, and so I, I think the way a lot of people felt about him softened and changed over the years. You can't deny his greatness. Um, I don't think you take today to just tear him down no. uh, and, and dive into all the ugliness because the, the bottom line was a dad and his daughter were going to a game and they died and another family died and, and a, a wife lost her husband and her daughter and three sisters lost their sister and their dad. And I can't say anything else for sure about Kobe Bryant's character, but I feel fairly confident saying he loved being dad. Some of the images and the videos you see of him with his girls, and especially the one that perished with him today, was awful. It was heartbreaking. And I I came home at midnight, after midnight, and woke everybody in my house up and hugged my kids tonight. Um, That's what I take of it. Life is precious. I mean, who would have thought Kobe Bryant would be gone? at 41, he, he was, I mentioned today on Twitter, he, we are only promised today because Kobe Bryant had better, more well-thought-out plans for his post-playing career uh, future than anybody maybe ever. Maybe Michael Jordan had it better mapped out. But, you know, he, was, he had won an Academy Award <laughs> right. for his, for his yeah. uh, animated short, um, kind of a love letter to basketball and uh, he, I think, hit the New York Times best-selling list with children's books um, that were inspired by his love of Harry Potter, and he was into this coaching, and he was championing championing uh, women's sports and the WNBA, and wanted his daughter. You know, he'd made TV appearances saying, like, you know, people come up to me saying, hey, "You guys got to have a son so they can carry on the legacy," and he's like, "No, my daughter can carry on the legacy." Right. Uh, that part of it is what everybody's morning today and the fact that he was an icon he was a global icon one of the most famous athletes ever in the world um and to die in an instant person yeah to to die in an instant is uh it's sad you know and we're we're not la people and we're not plugged into that story so i don't want to belabor our conversation on it there's a lot of people saying and writing a lot of very thoughtful things about kobe's life and his death but uh some at my place at the athletic but um yeah, we did want to take this first segment just to say uh, we, we're thinking about uh, everyone that is mourning Kobe and his daughter and the other family, uh, families that are impacted. Just I, It shook me up. I didn't expect it to because I didn't like Kobe. I wasn't exactly. a big Kobe guy, I but I, it, it really shook me all day long. Uh, Derek Terry and I from the Cat's Paws were together. We were eating barbecue at a place we'd heard was awesome outside of Lubbock before flying back. We just got our food. I'm trying to take an artsy picture of my food. Uh, and Derek Terry says, oh, my God, Kobe Bryant is dead. And that, like, from that point on, our whole day was just like a blur. We sat across from each other for like an hour, not eating, not talking to each other, just trying to scroll on our phones to figure out, one, is it true, and then who else was with him and all the stuff that followed and then all the tributes. And I just felt like I was in a daze all day. And I cried a couple times when that, when that first report came out that turned out to be wrong, that all four of his daughters had died mm. with him. Uh, yeah. I broke down uh, because that is just if, – even if that was a stranger, to hear a, a dad and his yes, four girls dying right. together would, would crush me as a dad. And so, anyway, um, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant and his daughter and everyone else that died today. It is, it is an awful, awful story.
Yeah, if you weren't if you weren't a fan, and 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 then you also you know did not think highly of him because of you know past things, just what he was now, what he was at the moment that he died, was someone who was I think, from all accounts, was being the best version of him in life, um, and and that's what people with greatness do. People who don't take a day off. People that are able to to you know, to work at their craft and put everything in. That, that's, what, that's what people like that with greatness are able to do is find another way to channel that greatness. And we're, we're not all born with it, and uh, it takes a lot of, you know, self-discipline and willpower and strength to do it. And if, if we all could, we would all be great, but we're not. And so uh, I, that's... That's one of my takeaways is that he just was, he was greatness. Um, so we will move on and get into a wonderful win for the Kentucky basketball team at Texas Tech. Uh, we'll do that next when the Lockdown Kentucky podcast continues. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. Okay, Cal is, Kyle is back from Lubbock, Texas after witnessing uh, a raucous crowd at the USA, United uh, Supermarkets Arena in Lubbock, Texas, as Kentucky beats Texas Tech 76-74. I mean, in overtime, correct. In overtime, yeah. And, um, you know, Kyle, we had talked about this uh, before the Arkansas trip, that there was the game at Arkansas, the game at Texas Tech, uh, next week at Auburn with College Game Day, and then the week after that at Tennessee. Four straight Saturdays of road games in hostile environments that are going to be big, and Kentucky is 2-0 and so far in this four-game stretch. And the one against Texas Tech was, well, it, it, it was different. It, <laughs> it was so different the way that some of these have gone. Yep. Kentucky has been able to get uh, consistently four guys to score in double figures. It was two guys this time. Even in games where one of them has been off, there have been three guys in double figures. Uh, Kentucky committed 20 turnovers uh, season high. That was different. Um, and Texas Tech had scored 25 points off those turnovers. Uh, Kentucky had been, uh, for so much of a part of the early season anyway, a poor three-point shooting team. Uh, Texas Tech was 3 of 19 from 3. Kentucky was great from the free throw line, which they have been at times. Uh, One of the takeaways, uh, of course we'll talk about Nick Richards and Emmanuel quickly, but one of the takeaways for me was, uh, you look back at that Arkansas game, Isaiah Joe, great player for Arkansas. Uh, Jimmy Witt another great player for Arkansas, both shut down. They play Georgia at home after that game. Anthony Edwards, projected first pick of the NBA draft, completely shut down. Uh, and here you go with their leading scorer, Jamias uh, uh, Ramsey for Texas Tech, another player who is shut down. Kentucky is able to do defensively um, what they've been able to do is take away the other team's best player. Uh, now, Texas Tech got Kyler Edwards going. Uh, he had been going, and he kept going. Uh, but Kentucky's defense, and Ashton Hagen's defense especially, was just something to see. I mean, we can talk about Nick Richards, who had a size advantage on him, and he he definitely made uh, a statement about what kind of player he is and, and the prospect for him going forward. Emmanuel quickly continued to be consistent. Uh, but... Ashton Hagen's defense and um, and what they got, you know, from Nate Sestina 
and, and Johnny Juzang, just just a glimpse, just a little bit. Andy J. Montgomery in the first half, just just enough. Uh, it was an impressive win overall. Uh, my favorite part was when uh, this is the last point I'll make before you let you go on some stuff. But um, there were two things: one, Emmanuel quickly. Uh, and Ashton Higgins come up to Nick Richards after he gets fouled with 10 seconds left to go down and shoot the free throws in a tie game. Two yep. free throws. And Emmanuel quickly looks at him and just says, breathe. And Nick's like, bro, bro, I got this. And he goes <laughs> yeah. and knocks him down. That was great. And the other thing was Emmanuel quickly says that in the timeout, um, and I guess he's talking about the timeout before – uh, you know, late in overtime, I, I guess. That's what, from what I can gather. As Emmanuel quickly says that he tells Ashton Hagens, you're the best defensive player in the country, the defensive player of the year. I mean, that's who you are. Go be that. Go do that. And what that says to me in both those moments is Emmanuel quickly may be the leader on the team. He is, he is reaffirming to Nick Richards, just breathe, you got it. He's reaffirming to Ashton Hagens. Dude, you've sucked this whole game offensively. But you're the best defensive player in the country. That's what you bring. That's who you are. Go do that. I mean, for a, that's where the empowered player-driven stuff comes in, in my mind, is when you have a guy like Emmanuel quickly let those other guys know, this is what you can do. You can handle it. This is who you are. Be that. Yeah. I, quickly's, quickly's been a huge influence on the team um no doubt about it but he is also right about Ashton Higgins uh Ashton Higgins made two of the most impressive defensive plays of his career and it saved the game for Kentucky the one was uh late in I think uh, regulation now, 336 left yeah. to go in regulation they had they were kind of reeling a little bit and they, they had another just horrible turnover um and Texas Tech is racing the other way with it. When they when they picked that pass off, it like glanced off Johnny Juzang and went right to Texas Tech. Ashton Higgins was at his own free throw line. Even he was beyond still, that, and he, he was, was still, even a little deeper. Well, I, I guess what I, to clarify, when they by the time they had pushed it to half court, Ashton Higgins was still back at his own free throw line. Yeah. By the time the lob was thrown from at like NBA three point range. Ashton Hagens was also still outside the three-point line. That I mean, when the pass was out of the passer's hand from beyond yeah. the three-point line, Ashton Hagens was also behind the three-point line. And by the time the ball got to the rim, he was at the rim, flying through the air and deflected it to Johnny. And Kentucky gets it back and goes the other way. That is, it didn't count as a steal. It didn't count as anything. Ashton Hagens is not recorded in the official stats or play-by-play as making any sort of play there. And it was as good of a defensive play as you'll ever see. And then he clinches the game at the end, at the the last play but of did, overtime. Go did ahead. someone? Did you say this? Did someone? I I thought I saw this somewhere that Hagen said that Calipari had got on to him for giving up on a play previously. No, oh, I didn't that see was, that. But uh, and that factored into him like rushing down the court to do that. I don't know. Hagen didn't talk to us after the game, so I don't. Okay. Know. Maybe that was on the radio, but. Um, but he was certainly all all over it, and then, um, and then uh, the last play, Nick Richards gives him the lead with two free throws. He, by the way, hit his last six free throws and seven of his last eight, mm. um, the seven footer, as he went for twenty five, fourteen, and four blocks. Um, Maturity, he, yeah. He gives him the lead, and then 
Hagen's stalks Moretti um, from the the whole. First, he pressures the inbound. He's all, he's all over Moretti in the backcourt, causing them to burn some time up. And then down on the other end, he gets screened. He almost falls down. He's yeah. he's forced to trail the play. Um, and Kyle Mann, who used to do this podcast with me and does a lot of basketball breakdown stuff, one thing he pointed out is one of the values of Nick Richards, and especially as he's become a rim protector, is that drivers have their eyes up because they are they are afraid of Nick, what Nick Richards is going to do up top. And a lot of times that allows a guy like Ashton Hagens, who's kind of a little pickpocket, to come along when the ball's down low and their eyes are up high and, and poke uh, steals away. Um, and so Hagens gets screened. He almost falls down. Moretti's driving into the lane. There's Nick stalking him as well. And from behind, there comes Ashton Hagens. Boop! Pokes yep. it out. Goes off Texas Tech. Out of bounds. Four-tenths of a second. And the game is over uh, in overtime. Well, he pokes it out, and Moretti tries to grab it back, and Hagens pokes it out again. Yeah. And that's it. Game <laughs> over. Uh, you know, Hagens, he's six points, seven assists, three steals. Seems like a pretty pedestrian game. But he played 43 of 45 minutes, and he played – Balls to the wall defense. Yes, he did. Um, and it was a—I mean, it was just a gutty, gutty, gutty performance by Kentucky. It was crazy in there. They had free beer for the students. They had beer during the game. The students were like <laughs> on top of us on press row. It was a great seat because I could hear everything that Calipari was screaming. I could hear what the students were screaming. Like Coach um, K, Coach K. Yeah, the right? guy behind me, the student <laughs> behind me, kept screaming insults at Coach K, which was very funny. I mean, the whole game. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it was it was it was bonkers in there, and you know, uh, Texas Tech was up kind of in control uh, late in the first half, and then you get a bucket from Maxi, and then you get a turnover by Texas Tech, and Emmanuel quickly bangs in a half court shot, and all of a sudden Kentucky's up at a half. Mm-hmm. Then they're up by uh, eight with like seven minutes to go, and they blow that lead in regulation. Then they're up six in the, to start overtime, and they blow that lead. I mean, there were several times I thought they were dead in the water because, you know, Texas Tech, they let Texas Tech back in, and that crowd got crazy again. And it was, it, you know, somebody asked me what was better, Arkansas or Texas Tech. They, it's a coin flip. You know, they, yeah. they were just – both places were crazy. And both times, you know, they gave up their lead and, and something terrible happened for Kentucky, and they still found a way on the road in those two environments to go get a win – Richards was huge. Quickly hit four, four of eight threes. He was huge. Um, but I mean, just the fact that Nick Richards and Emmanuel Quickly and Ashton Hagens, two sophomores and a junior, none of which, probably all of which, thought they were one and dones. None of which were ready to be. They all came back and they played. They're they're dragging this team to maybe you know maybe they are a contender. You know, at this point. Um, and I wrote my whole story for the athletic was just sort of the irony of that happening with those veteran guys, you know, leading the way in these two huge wins on consecutive Saturdays, you know, right after the day after Khalil Whitney leaves 18 games into his freshman season for, mm. you know, because of playing time. Um, I thought that was kind of poignant. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, if there's any more proof, what season would give you more proof than this particular season and what's going on right now with these guys that it doesn't have to happen for you in your freshman season? Not even halfway through it. If it doesn't happen for you, that it's going to be okay. 
Yeah. Basketball waits for no one. It's waited for Nick Richards. Yeah. But of course we need we need to take a break and we can talk much more about Khalil Whitney in that when we return on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Kentucky is a great way for your local business to reach passionate UK fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with UK fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com forward slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com forward slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. Back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast, and uh, as we were going to break, I got a little animated there <laughs> with talking about Khalil Whitney because I just, um, I'm just, uh, I don't know if I, if heartbroken is the right word, but I'm just uh, I, disappointed would be, I guess, the best way to put it, that uh, Khalil Whitney, who has uh, such a bright future ahead of him, was not able to ride this thing out. Uh, that that the, the idea that it's not working right now, just yet, uh, just a few months into your time at Kentucky, the NBA factory. And if there's anything that you need to look at, like if you're if you're sitting back and looking at this, okay, what's the right decision? Well, Quad A Green and Kyle Wiltshire and Marcus Lee and. Uh, who else? Uh, Jamal Baker. Well, not Jamal Baker yet, but some of these other guys that have transferred from Kentucky. None of them have gotten drafted. Exactly. I mean, Quade is not you know there yet, but he's not uh, at at this point a six foot tall point guard who's just pretty good is not and doesn't play defense is probably not getting drafted. Exactly. That's the that's the thing that they all have in Charles Matthews that they all have in common is that they're not in the NBA. They're not having NBA success right now. So if you leave, you go down the road of having a professional career possibly overseas or, or, or finding a harder road. Your best chance, your best opportunity you've been given, as Calipari has said before, the golden ticket, the lottery ticket, it's, it's there for you. Where else could you possibly have a better road to the NBA and if it doesn't happen this year what's one more year or two more years to a contract that guarantees you millions over three years that's what's at stake for you and just just be patient enough to ride it out Khalil Whitney is a phenomenal athlete Calipari said he had a great attitude this whole time and then Calipari in his post game goes on for two minutes and does nothing but compliment yep. Khalil Whitney and say he's disappointed in himself that he couldn't have help him break through. And that he told him with tears from both player and coach, with the family present, he mentioned. He said, if you do this, make it. Make it. If you're going to do this, go make it. Because Calipari knows. No. 
The best chance for your success is right here, buddy. Well, by the way, I, I got some crap from a few idiots, and one in particular about asking Calipari about Khalil Whitney in the postgame. Oh, uh, well, you, you he said to. I was a, uh, I think, quote-unquote, D-bag uh-huh. no. for, uh, for asking – but I didn't. It wasn't in a tactless way, and also I heard your even question. If, yeah, frankly, even if it was, sorry guys. Like the guy left school ten the minutes after we talked to John Calipari the day before, so we didn't get to talk to him. This is our first opportunity to talk to players or coaches uh, about Khalil Whitney leaving. And as I said, I thought it was poignant that on a day when they were led by veterans in a, to a huge win, to guys who stuck around after rough starts. And are seeing all the success, you know, juxtaposed, excuse me, against Khalil Whitney leaving after 18 games. And Cal, as you said, gave a great answer. I mean, he he talked forever about it. And you could tell here's what I think you were sort of alluding to, and here's what I very plainly took from it. He said as much as he could say without saying, this kid didn't want to go, we didn't want him to go, his people wanted him to go. Exactly. Because he said, sometimes. It just is what it is, whether it's mm-hmm. people convincing him around him or whatever it is, and I just wish him well. And before he left, I said, you make it. If you're going to do this, you make it. And, yeah, him mentioning that they both, that Khalil had tears in his eyes. From everything I gather from talking to people around the program, Khalil Whitney did not necessarily want to make this decision. It was made for him. It and, felt that way 100%. And that is, that's sad. I think it is. it is. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. It's sad. He should have stayed at Kentucky. At least through, I mean, at the very least through the end of this year, leaving in the middle of the season, in the start of the second semester, is completely illogical. It's just a, it's just a, like anyone who would advise a player to do that is ill-informed or bad, has bad intentions because <laughs> you're going to miss like, if you transfer to another school, you're going to miss the entire season anyway because you waited until after the break. So now you're out an entire season. You're not eligible for the second semester yeah, like I'm, you would have been if you made the decision a couple weeks earlier. So now what does it hurt to continue on this path and then say, okay, we're going to move on? Yeah. So it's just a And especially decision. like especially when you consider that the staff like they loved Khalil Whitney, and the players did. He's Tyrese Maxey's roommate. Maybe that ex- helps to a, a degree explain Tyrese Maxey's very, very bad day. Two for ten, five turnovers uh, at Texas Tech. Um, but those guys loved him. It wasn't like it wasn't that he was a cancer or a poison to the team. I, right. I don't think. Now I think his mistake was, and I think part of that was what the whispers he was hearing in his ear is he just refused to listen to the role and accept the role they were offering him. He, right. he, he would not say, just forget about offense right now because it's not there for you. You're not a shooter. You're not a driver. When you drive, you turn it over. When you shoot, they're bad contested shots and you miss them. Just play defense and rebound and you'll get minutes. Um, and he, he couldn't do that. And I think probably the same people that made him leave were the people in his ear saying, you are a playmaker. You are a star. Mm-hmm. You are a 20-point-a-game guy. And he isn't. Not now. Um, Not yet. But neither was Nick I mean, look, think about like what was Nick Richards a year ago, and now he's their go-to player. John Calipari is drawing up plays for Nick Richards in crunch time, throwing him the ball, and even hoping he gets fouled because he's going to make the free throws. 
That is remarkable. I mean, yeah. Nick Richards should be the example, just as PJ was last year, but Nick to an even further, much further extreme of why like everybody is on their own timeline and it's fine. Um, Nick Richards over the last eight games, so that's Louisville on the front end, Texas Tech on the back end, and in between the first six games of SEC play. The last eight games, 17.6 points, 9.8 rebounds, 2.9 blocks, and 66% from the field. If you just took those first eight games as his season stats, he would he would rank first in the SEC in blocks and field goal percentage and second in rebounding and fourth in scoring in the <laughs> SEC. Yeah. I mean, he, he might be the SEC player of the year front runner right now. Or just look at Emmanuel quickly. I know yes. it's hard to imagine that Nick Richards would be this. I can't um, – there was no world that I thought Emmanuel quickly would be this. Yeah. I did not think that I mean, Emmanuel quickly would be this in the second year. He's averaged uh, the last 17. eight games 17.6, 5.3 rebounds. He's really started rebounding, and he's made 22 of 45 threes over the last eight games, 49%. So, I mean, Whitney should be able to, and maybe Whitney is able to look at, you know, quickly and Nick Richards. And, and, because Nick Richards and quickly both changed – they changed things beyond what's happening on the court. They changed before the success came on the court. That's who knows better than Calipari to help you yeah. through that. Yeah, they changed the they changed the behaviors that right the the, the work that it takes. And now he's um, talking about EJ Montgomery trying to go through that transformation that happens behind the scenes before you see it on the court, and yeah. it's going to have to happen for Khalil Whitney. Anyway, like yes. he's going to have to do that somewhere. Yeah, and as before... I told somebody today, like the sad that what makes this story sad, and maybe he'll end up at another college and he'll be patient and sit out. Which, if you're going to do that, why didn't you stay at Kentucky? But whatever, maybe that'll work out. But if he goes, I'm going to go in the draft. If he's hearing that, like you're a draft guy, or you could find you go overseas for a year and you'll be okay. Maybe he goes and plays in the NBL, the Australian league. I've heard some, you know, possible whispers about that but here's the thing John Calipari and those guys are have a an even if they didn't care about these kids as people and I think they do even if they didn't let's take a callous approach and say they don't care about you at all as people John Calipari and his staff have a very clear motivation to make sure you succeed because it's part of their recruiting pitch to the next guy you they will they do not at any cost want a McDonald's All-American top 15 recruit to fail so they're gonna do. They're gonna give you every last chance, just like they did Nick Richards, and Scal, and all those guys. They have a reason to care about whether or not you succeed. If you go play overseas on some janky pro team, and you're not, not good enough, they don't care. They'll no. crap you out, and that'll be the end of it. They don't have any. They don't have any real reason to care about whether you make it or not. They'll pay you a basic wage, and if you're good enough, they'll pay you a little more, and if you're not, they'll kick you out, <laughs> and that's it, and your career's over. It just And to think that, you can't play more than a minute or two minutes in a game in college, but you can go play professionally somewhere is just sadly, sadly, sadly delusional. It's just, it's, it's a, I think it's a real bummer all the way around, and I feel for Khalil Whitney. I don't, I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he got really bad advice. Yeah, that's what I'm most sad about. It's not that I care about Kentucky's program so much that I want Khalil Whitney to help it. It's just 
I feel sad for the young man who is clearly athletically gifted and has an opportunity and it's being it's being squandered away and not and not necessarily by his own decision but but people that don't know better don't they think they have his best interest at heart and and they just don't know well enough to to make the right decision uh for him that's that's what I'm most sad about is that Cleo Whitney this this could be you know the last of his uh he may not he may not make it because of this and had he stayed that he has such a greater chance of making it um but anyway that that uh, about wraps it up the one thing we didn't talk about that uh, we'll make sure we talk about tomorrow on tomorrow's podcast is that um uh, Calipari didn't mention Maxi by name when he was saying the guy that I was going to to kind of give him a sink or swim moment, and he did not swim, uh, was Tyrese Maxi, And uh, we can definitely get into to more of that. And then what Sestina was able to provide and what Johnny Juzang was able to provide. Some of that stuff we'll talk about. And then, of course, the matchup with, with Vanderbilt coming up. That's a whole other thing that's on the horizon for Wednesday for Kentucky. So, all right, Kyle. Uh, Glad you made it back home safely, uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great Monday. You are Locked on Kentucky, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked on Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.